Welcome back to episode 178 of the Block Runner podcast. Here, as we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel and follow along with our discussion. Another way to stay up to date is by signing up to our newsletter at theblockrunner.com. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Ayman, and today we bring you Benjamin Charbit, the CEO of Darewise, which is a subsidiary of Animoca Brands. Here's some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we asked Ben about his background and how he got attracted to the Bitcoin ecosystem. Next, we dive into the world of decentralized architecture in game development. Then we discuss the infrastructure being built to support the metaverse on Bitcoin ecosystem. And finally, what is Ben's opinion on Bitmap? All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to episode 178 of the Block Runner Podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, Iman. What's going on, dude? On the sticks, we got TJ. Hello. And most importantly, today we're bringing in Benjamin Charbit. He's the CEO of Darewise. I appreciate you for joining us, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It's a great, great pleasure, great honor to be with you. <laughs> wow, an honor, eh? <laughs> Dang. Well, yeah, we, we heard you've been a longtime, I guess, follower of this channel. Yeah. So that means you're obviously well aware. Um, how, how far back, actually? Is it like as soon as we just started talking about ordinals or it was even before that? Yes. Just curious. Yeah, this is, uh, I think it started when I was researching, you know, like uh, content on, on ordinals and trying to yeah. get a lot of the different currents, you know, because it's uh, it, it was quite polarizing. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, technology fanatic like um, this is not really what's driving me I'm, I, I was a, I was a game director before so I'm more uh, a creative player here and yeah. I I really wanted to you know get just get the the different vibes and to understand this better and Twitter is of course a great location for this but mm-hmm. also checking on other platform and this is how I found out excellent uh yeah. you know about what you guys were doing and then then it just got into the rabbit hole well, I'm glad we could be of some service for yeah. sure. That that that's yeah. good. Uh, you do, you do. That's thank you. Feedback. And thank yeah, you. I, 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 as I was saying before we started, like, thank you so much for this because I think it 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 bring it's so valuable. Yeah, yeah. Which is so. I guess we can kind of like get the intros, like as far as like your background, because you you mentioned game development, right? So um, as soon as we found out, I guess the the game title that's generating all the buzz and headlines is Life Beyond, correct? Mm-hmm. This is Animoca and you guys, and I think in association with a couple of other partners, uh, Horizon Labs, which is kind of like responsible or at least going to contribute as far as like um, the big announcement was like the first metaverse token and the Bitcoin ecosystem that's going to drop. Mm -hmm. And that got a lot of people's attention, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you can, just before we get too deep into all the other stuff, just give us your background about life beyond yourself and how all of this, you know, uh, got you to the ordinal space at this point. Yeah, so so about myself, uh, I've been a game developer for for a long time now. For 15 years, I joined Ubisoft uh, after starting my career as an investment banker for a few years, and then I used to be an esport player when I was younger. And mm. I just uh, opportunity of life. Eventually, I got to this chance to join the uh, the Ubisoft team. Uh, doing a bunch of stuff, and um, but it eventually led me to uh, join the Assassin's Creed team, uh, where I was a game director uh, on Assassin's Creed Black Flag, uh, and mostly 
all of, most of my career at Ubisoft, I focused on online gaming. So in whether it was in an Assassin's Creed, whether it was on The Division, uh, on other uh, games over there, Ghost Recon, I was always kind of focusing on the multiplayer gameplay, social play, um, you know, community experience and and so and online services in general. And so it was kind of natural for, for me to eventually start Dailwise Entertainment, which was a company built from the get-go to um, trailblaze the metaverse play. Uh, that was a long time ago, before we were even talking about the metaverse. Uh, but I really got into this narrative. Um, I think it was back in 2014. I just became obsessed with the metaverse. Being an online player myself, you know, I'm four, I'm 39 now, which means that I'm part of this generation who really grew up playing MMOs, you know, starting when I was uh, 12, 13, playing Ultima Online, EverQuest, Star Wars Galaxies, eventually World of Warcraft, as everybody else. So I really, you know, built like experience, truly meaningful, uh, ex you know, um, experiences, social relationships. I made some really great friendships over there. Eventually also had some, a form of an economic interest because through power leveling services, gold farming, all these illegal stuff, you know, mm. that we were uh, providing back then. And so the metaverse was just uh, a natural next step for me, which means an MMO plus plus. You know, it's an MMO where you're no longer limited to being the hero, but you can now um, be anyone in this digital reality and uh, live a, a very meaningful existence there. Mm. So that's really how it started. Um, and Delwise was built to <clears throat> become a, a very serious uh, player in this space. Um, even without thinking so much about, uh, I would say, a blockchain at that time, you know, it was more about, okay, this type of virtual reality where we can have a meaningful existence. Mm. So we had to build technology for this. Um, how do you build large-scale world? Uh, because with the existing tool, it was just not available. It was a very daunting task. How do you um, host um, a high concurrent number of players? It was also a major challenge, you know, especially when we started. Basically, MMOs were a very small niche at the time, and most games were session-based games. You know, Fortnite mm -hmm. uh, had 100 players in a, in, in a session and not more. So... That's a second piece of technology, you know, and, and there were more uh, technologies that we needed to build. So we kind of focused the development on kind of uh, creating the technologies that would facilitate the development and the operations of metaverses. Yeah. And naturally, this led us to blockchain. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that happened for us in 2021 when after a lot of conversations with a few players and especially with Sebastian Borgi, the co-founder of Sandbox, I think we eventually really saw the light and understood the benefit of smart contract and of permissionless um, you know, infrastructure where now any third party could come and build experiences, services on top of your core uh, architecture. And now you understand the, lim you know, the unlimited possibilities mm -hmm. that can happen. So that's how we got there. Um, in 2022, we were we got acquired by Animuka Brands, which felt like also a natural move to us because we were very savvy game developers, but definitely not the biggest expert in Web3, whether on technology or um, you know tokenomics. 
we had to learn this um, and we were very eager to, but we thought, you know, let's just team up with the best player. Yeah. And uh, and so for them, it was uh, an opportunity to finally have a AAA team. Perfect. And for us, the benefit was to grow our expertise in Web3. Mm. That's how we got there. And then the last uh, major uh, milestone happened several, a few months ago, I would say basically May, June, with what was happening with Ordinals. Uh, and that kind of became a new obsession for me. Mm. And that led to, wow, I believe that what is happening there is a major revolution. But I don't think that the world is really seeing it this way right now, except for uh, a niche of Bitcoin DGENs, you know, who think, wow, that this is there's something major happening. Mm-hmm. But most of the industry is like looking at this thing as, well, that's a little phenomenon that going up and down and that's it. I didn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. And so um, decided to really pivot the company towards the Bitcoin ecosystem. And uh, I just didn't want to do it by my, by ourselves. We, again... Um, you know, building a network of partners was a very important thing for us. And this is how I went to talk to to Rob, the CEO of Horizon Labs, who turns out to be an old Bitcoiner mm. and told him, you know, I know you guys don't do work for hire. Um, mm. I The only time they did it was with Yuga uh, and, you know, building ApeCoin. And, uh, and they were not really work for hire. They were really like a partner in this thing. And so I said, hey. This is what I believe. Ordinals and the Bitcoin ecosystem um, are going to be really the next big thing in Web3. Uh, here is a little bit of my plan. And he jumped in immediately. And that's how, why we're here today. Wow. So yeah. all, all this started just a few months ago? This whole, like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The yeah the the, the Bitcoin uh, yeah, transition. move for us. Yeah. yeah, it's something that happened. So, you know, Ordinals started... Uh, what February maybe um, yeah. this year, and you know we of course, I was looking at it of course, but when the moment where we really decided okay this is something where we're you know I mean uh, without without disclosing too much in too many numbers mm-hmm. like the development of Dailwise and Life Beyond we're talking about you know several dozens of millions of dollars mm-hmm. um so it's not a small project wow. it's not a, it's not a small team yeah and making such a big gamble is not something that we could do overnight you know we wow. and it's still a major there there are still a lot of people who think that we're completely crazy mm-hmm. oh, of <laughs> but course. um yeah. but i believe that uh i i have i have absolutely zero doubt that we're doing the right thing well if people think you're crazy you're in the right spot yeah yeah, well, you know they would, you know what they say, right? Before they think you're crazy, and after that's right, that's uh, right. Yeah, they so fight you we'll or something, that. and then they join you. Something they like they laugh at you, then they fight you. Yeah, first they laugh at you. It's something like that. I yeah. to, but it's exactly what happened, and <laughs> it's funny because I, I really encountered a very different uh, persona in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can give you one, for instance, which is true visionaries, um, people who've been in the Web three space for a long time and i think in particular to uh, about yatsu the founder of animoca brands yes i didn't even have to convince him hmm. he was convinced already you know when when i when i when i mentioned him we're this is our this is the idea that i have he was uh supporting instantly mm-hmm. and that means a lot that speaks volume uh, about what's going on right now 
Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built Mscribe, the first inscription platform built from the ground up for the metaverse on Bitcoin. Connect your bitmap ordinals and use our tools to bring your community into the virtual realm. Support us by joining the movement at mscribe.io. Like, comment, and subscribe for the latest alpha. Back to the video. How long has Life Beyond been in development? So we always paralyzed both um, uh, both tracks, a little bit like, if I would say, you know, a little bit like Epic Games with Unreal Engine and its mm. own internal production. The um, To build Life Beyond, we needed technology, but we didn't decide to just focus on building the technology and then eventually we'd start Life Beyond. It was like, we'll start at the same time, we'll make some progress and at the same time build the technology and basically Life Beyond will be the first customer of the technology that we're building. And um, so this started basically in early 20, 2018. Okay. Wow. Just just for clarification, for, for my own sake, is uh, Darewise and Life Beyond two separate companies or is Life Beyond a product? Yeah, it's, it's um, <clears throat> you know, we, um, we're still revisiting our, our legal org chart, but mm. yeah, it's basically uh, separated tracks where uh, we are building, we have a technology team building all of these technologies, uh, all the pieces of the, this technology stacks. And we have, have like our own internal game development studio, which is building Life Beyond. I see. I see. It's very similar to like the improbable M squared. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you know that we were the first projects to, uh, uh, to work with improbable, yeah. uh, back then and, um, and using uh, spatial OS. So yeah, it's, uh, of course, but of course, you know, uh, Improbable is a much larger organization mm -hmm. than we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you guys are tackling the same thing, right? It's like figuring out infrastructure for the metaverse, which is obviously like a tremendous yeah. endeavor. We got like some of the biggest companies in the world working. You're, you're right. That um, so, but Improbable is really focusing on the networking side, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how to host. But the um, for us, it was a series of, it's a series of things. There is the networking part that we are now, um, developing our, our own technology because mm -hmm. we never really could find something that was satisfying or really serving the needs yeah. that we had mm -hmm. um, or maybe not in the in the fashion that we wanted. Mm. But we're also building tools that are more related to, you know, like online world development, which is by definition, when you think of the metaverse, you think of scale. Mm -hmm. Scale means concurrency of, of users, of mm -hmm. course, but it also means space. Mm -hmm. like you need to build massive worlds and you can't do it by hand yeah so do you it's think way too time consuming and that's why we created technologies for this mm -hmm. we have a technology called wise world uh which is a procedural world generation technology mm. that's insane um scattering you know uh the world the assets but also scattering the gameplay in mm. the world so all of this can be uh um you know uh, kind of processed rather than really hand placed yes. and we yeah. are also developing this technology called eyes which is our networking technology that is very revolutionary because it's completely different and we'll actually publish more about it i think in october or in november we'll have like some stuff to really explain yeah and why would we do that is because we also want to find ways to bring all of this technology to the Bitcoin metaverse ecosystem that we're working on. Mm. So the idea is that really, and we're still trying to figure out how to do it, but mm -hmm. we want all, that all of this technology is serving the development of this Bitcoin metaverse ecosystem. Mm. Wow. 
So that's interesting because um, <clears throat> I don't want to get all right right into bitmaps yet, but <laughs> whatever you because you, you know what you're talking about is I mean bitmaps important, but there I think there's something even grander at scale is the realization of I guess the stage of metaverse development. You know, because we saw in 2021 a lot of games basically were were kind of deployed or IP was initiated and you know roadmaps laid forth of game environments, game ecosystems, whatever, maybe with some kind of like Web3 components to them and they were being labeled as as the, met the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And we always saw like issue with that. Like that doesn't seem like uh, like, a, like an actual digital existence layer like you're describing. Yeah. Right? And, and to clarify, we are not building the metaverse. I yeah. don't believe that this is Absolutely something. Yeah. We're, we're part of this open metaverse movement and mm -hmm. Life Beyond is a destination of it. But the open metaverse goes also beyond a single blockchain. You know, mm -hmm. the open metaverse is just this collection of destinations, of services, of builders, of users. Yeah. So to me, Twitter is part of the open metaverse. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, the the it's part of the metaverse. Now, the the open metaverse is of course decentralized, and this is what right now kind of sets the the frontiers, the boundaries of all these different metaverses. And we only intend, you know, to cre create tools that really just make it easier for this new for new concept to grow and to expand. Mm -hmm. And we are provide and we're providing one flagship destination, which is Life Beyond. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's been just like you we we grew up with uh, playing video games um i was more of like a first person shooter guy myself rather than rpgs to a, to a large extent yeah but uh but collectively i mean we spent a lot of time playing games obviously um all that time being spent earned us you know virtual goods that weren't really owned by us right they were owned by the company so Give us your take on what Web3 actually brings to the table as far as like metaverse experience, gaming, and why why you think Web3 is going to be an essential part of like our virtual experiences. Mm. I think you, you mentioned the elephant in the room, which is the ownership of your asset. That's obviously um, the most obvious uh, answer that we all provide to this, which is, and you have experienced this, right? You... You play what actually, whether it's an MMO or any other type of game, you spend a lot of time within one experience. Um, you invest a lot of this time getting your assets better, getting buying better assets, and you understand that either the value, the money, or the time that you spent on this on these assets is gone, and mm. you can never extract any form of value, you have no real ownership. Mm -hmm. So that is obviously the first very important thing. The The second thing to me is that it also significantly changes the relationship between the developer and its users because thanks to this um, complete ownership that you have of your own assets, now it's not the, the assets serving the game, it's the game serving the assets. So it's a complete different, um, you know, kind of a, I would say, bargaining power between the developer slash publisher and the users. And so you'll see um, that, you know, on the developers, game development studio will have to treat their users very, very differently. Mm -hmm. The third thing is that 
player-driven economy can really exist, um, you know, and 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 bloom and expand with a fully decentralized architecture. Otherwise, you always hit the limit of this closed ecosystem um, that that naturally brings, you know. Um, the li limits to uh, entry to extract value and and of course opportunities and there is a last point that i think is very interesting which is the permissionless nature of decentralized architecture the the, the fact that now anyone can build additional services on top of your experience without having you know, to ask for any type form of permission without any need for an API, an SDK, to me is a major revolution. And it's just that we haven't yet uh, seen a lot of these things happening because, of course, we first need to have good, you know, core experiences. But as soon as we'll have this, all of these, um, you know, additional and mods and stuff that we saw, and, you know, think of even online, for instance. This is going to be insane. The the thing is that for Eve Online, for instance, you CCP the developer provided all of these APIs so that the community could build on top. Well, with with the Web three game, you don't need now the developer to have opened access. I haven't given you the access to this, at least for most of the use cases that we can think of. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, from the consumer's perspective, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to be able to own all these digital assets. But I believe the burden of designing um, a game using Web3 is significantly more difficult. Oh, yeah. because, <laughs> because even though like we can own, you know, the swords and, and the armor and things of this, this MMORPG, mm -hmm. um, if there's infinite of them, there's no point in actually owning it because the trade value is, is irrelevant. Right. Mm -hmm. So then as a game designer, you have to say, okay, there's, there's limits to the existence of these digital assets. Yeah. So how do you begin to decide like how you manage the economy of just the assets, not even like the monetary based economy? Yeah. Yeah. So I would actually tackle the topic differently, which is, um, especially if you, th if you take a game that is, you know, uh, monetized as a service. So, you know, any type of, online game with like a free-to-play or freemium business model where you constantly need your customers, your players who are your customers to come to the store and buy a new item. You know, you're doing item selling. That's your main revenue model. So, so what you do is you constantly um, power creep the existing assets. I'm sure you're familiar with that. You got this amazing sword three months later, New sword is coming out. Mm -hmm. Yours is not worth much. Mm -hmm. And that's how, especially in a business model where you monetize your well and you kind of squeeze the juice out of these wells, this is basically how all free-to-play games run today. Mm -hmm. But because of the limited supply of uh, digital assets within a, a Web3 game, now you don't have to do this. Because there's a limited supply. So after selling these 3,000 swords, there are no more. A few months later, you can now issue another quantity of swords. They might not be exactly the same, but they can have the same stats. 
which means that you don't necessarily need this player to replace it. But for the other one who wants to have a sword of this level, the only way to get it is part of this new batch. Mm -hmm. So you can create monetizations that are much healthier. Also because, of course, on top of that, you have a whole secondary market. Mm -hmm. So it creates so much more opportunities. And I'm not going to get into, of course, the... The, the, I would say the pitfall of interoperability because uh, we all want to get there, but we're not there. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a lot of things to figure out before. But just the fact that there is, you know, this uh, uh, limited supply model, the fact that there is this secondary market opportunity already completely revolutionizes the 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 business model of these games, of games in general. Mm -hmm. We'll see that happening. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense because essentially you have to you have to inject enough uh, value into a, a given item for people to want them, and then you have to continue development of the game, and so you have to continue more assets and mm -hmm. and have those assets be you know considered <laughs> valuable for the player base to go after those assets. Right. Um, exactly. And this is why it's interesting. Why I'm surprised Yatsu was so like receptive and he didn't challenge you as far as decision to enter the bitcoin ecosystem because you're you're entering a much more like less robust less functional token environment than what exists on ethereum or other l1s right there's not as much programmability to these mm -hmm. to these, yes. these digital assets right so it makes the development it has to make the develop game development process infinitely more times complex mm -hmm. especially you're now right. in this environment where like the standards are shifting by the day yeah <laughs> i don't you know so it, it is an issue because we are also developing in this space and we're in this weird gray zone where like nobody really knows the right direction to head towards because there's just so much convolution and consensus right now in this, in this specifically in the ordinal space. Right. So how are you dealing with that? Yeah. Listen, I, I would, I would say that, well, first of course, Yat is an entrepreneur. And so I think the way he sees opportunity is very different from, um, you know, um, corporate people who, um, sometimes could be more pragmatic, you know, and would just look at numbers and look at data and less being uh, less follow their instinct. Also, you know, you're talking about a, an industry leader who made the move in 2017 and even earlier, you know, where you're talking about the Animoca brand was the publisher of CryptoKitties mm. uh, with Dapper. So, mm -hmm. so when, when Dapper was developing CryptoKitties, um, and of course, it was not a hit. He saw when Yad saw this thing in a small office in Vancouver. It was like, what is this thing? And these guys were developing CryptoKitties. And he said, great, we're going to be the publisher in Asia, I think. And they became an investor in Dapper. And now the rest is history, right? So mm -hmm. I think Yad sees a very similar type of dynamic right now um, between what is happening and the debate and the heated debate sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the Bitcoin ecosystem, whether it's because between Maxis and and, and the you know the develop the the participants in the ordinal movement, mm -hmm. and what was happening back in 2017 with CryptoKitties clogging Ethereum. So um, that's uh, and I feel very uh, you know very lucky, very blessed to have a to have a partner as yet to um, you know really uh, and. I, more than a partner at this point, a boss, <laughs> I would say, but <laughs> yeah. to really support us in this direction. Now, to answer your question, yes, 
let's not uh, you know let's not lie and, and sugarcoat this it's extremely challenging and difficult yeah. for us to do what we could have just simply launched on any avm platform yeah mm-hmm. but the and and it's not necessarily something that i would recommend to anyone today um if you're a, a game development team building a game that is already quite demanding but that you don't have all the infrastructure that we have i would not recommend this mm. but we're in a different situation and this is what we can bring also to the the bitcoin um ecosystem you know right now is that we are well aware of the missing things and what we've been doing over the past two months and especially uh, you know traveling and being at the ordinal summit in singapore um and you know i was on stage and then we spent so much time connecting with all the the the, the community and all the different builders because we were trying to understand really well who is doing what right now mm-hmm. so that we could focus our energy and our resources on the the, on what is not covered yet. Uh, and honestly, we're still discussing with so many people to really map out completely the landscape and be like, okay, now you know we have all the use cases that we need to um, be able to um, to be able to operate. What is missing? And this is the part that we'll take. Mm-hmm. And of course, something that we'll do um, completely out of any um, like business, opportunity because it's not something that we'll monetize something that we'll give back to the network but it's something that we will need for us and that we'll provide to the to the rest of the ecosystem Mm -hmm. that's been our approach and uh, Mm. again because overall we think that the opportunity is huge yeah so i i definitely want to go deeper into sort of like the the economics aspect of of life beyond uh but first i want to get a little bit more understanding of what life beyond is about can you tell us like um is this a mmorpg or or what what experiences should we expect from from this from life beyond so life beyond is a is a venture um on an alien planet to establish a new society so on life you join uh, this group of people on this new planet called Dolos um, that is a, a very remote planet, but that is full of opportunity, but also right now a dangerous place. So the first uh, step on Dolos right now is going to be to secure the area and be able to pioneer, so to pioneer, to make it safe to settle. So you think it's, it's going to take multiple forms, um, uh, over its lifespan. For now, it's going to feel a lot like an, uh, an MMORPG without a hard class system. We don't have like classes. It's everything is soft class. So it's more based on your equipment mm-hmm. and that you'll be able to uh, venture out in this world, face challenges, overcome obstacle, uh, explore, research, um, start building some outposts in order to make progress in this world and eventually secure this first area. But once you're there, now enters the settling the settling phase. Settling is kind of the first metaverse experience where you now start a, of uh, start. A, it's about you know building your shelter, uh, building the foundation of your community. You can operate a business. You can uh, farm a land. And now opens really the field of all the different roles that you can have in this society. If I can draw a parallel with World of Warcraft, for instance, in World of Warcraft, you 
um, you know, you walk around in this beautiful living and breathing world where you're going to see a merchant, uh, a farmer, a chef, but you can never be these characters. You're always limited to being the hero. Well, this is not what Life Beyond is about. In Life Beyond, you can be anyone. You can be the hero, but you can also be the truck driver, the chef, the farmer. And as we go into the development, because, of course, this is a huge undertaking, we will keep expanding and expanding all of these roles and potentials mm-hmm. uh, as the world matures and uh, you know becomes also more of a digital reality of a new layer of our phys- of our existence and less of a game but we start with this very strong gaming angle because we're not big believers in all of these metaverses plays all these metaverse plays that are very social led mm-hmm. where the first thing you start to do is to join a world full of people but there is a lot of very interesting things to do mm-hmm. we believe very much that developing a very compelling, engaging gaming experience, similar to what we've always done. And a lot of the team here at Dellwise comes from Assassin's Creed uh, or The Division, people from Massive Entertainment, people from Ubisoft. A lot of us have worked together uh, on several installments of these games. Well, first, we want to leverage also this core expertise we have developing really high quality open world. So you mentioned earlier that building a a destination of the metaverse is pretty complex, very expensive. Uh, Is there going to be components where uh, developers, outside developers, can leverage an SDK that you guys might be building? So that's totally the plan. Uh, It's obviously a a challenging thing for many, many reasons. There is the technical thing, but it's also that we're also building an IP. Um, And so we need to make sure that... First, the IP is really well established before um, anyone can start to chime in. And so we avoid, you know, ending up with like a patchwork that kind of starts losing its flavors. Mm-hmm. So that's why this is definitely on the roadmap. But for now, what of course is uh, is possible is everything that you can do in a permissionless way. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go deeper uh, over the over the years, by opening more of the world to give you access and the ability to really start now developing for the in-game experience, but mm-hmm. that will take some time. Right. So, so now that you've laid out, which, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, sure, go ahead. but which doesn't mean that we are not open to collaborations. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of them that we're already uh, working on. That some will be announced uh, in a month or two, where. Um, but but they're curated. So rather than just saying, you know, we're building Assassin's Creed and then no one can participate, mm-hmm. we're saying, no, we're building this world. And, you know, brands, I can, like, for instance, we have an, a, a, an automotive brand from the physical world that's going to build stuff with us. Right. We're really curating. We have curated them and we're really, you know, partnering on this. Mm-hmm. The completely, uh, you know, free-for-all modding is not for now, but of course we want to get there. Okay. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, you know, obviously, you know, building an experience like this large, you're going to want to leverage big brands to kind of bring the audience in and experience those brands through this virtual virtual environment. Yeah. And you know what? It's not so much for the, for the growth, uh, you know, benefit, which of course is a, is a, is a nice one. 
but it's more because life beyond of course it takes the form of a game but it ambitions to be way more than a game i believe very much you know i've i've lived in this digital world for so long but i was never really able to say but what if i could really have a meaningful economic existence for instance so but i believe that this is going to become possible now but mm -hmm. it's also going to be worlds where we can get an education you know mm -hmm. where we can develop some proto skills like oh well i would love to be an architect but right now i'm a banker well right. in life beyond you might be able to experience what it feels like to be an architect not that we're going to train you to the extent that you will truly uh, you will be ready to uh, you know uh, design a building in the physical world but maybe you'll have had such a uh, you know a good experience in this kind of simplified simulation simulation that now you really know that you, this is what you want to do sure and so to support this we need a very authentic believable world doesn't mean that it has to be a copy of the of the physical reality we live in i actually think that it's pretty boring i don't think i really want to go into virtual paris and virtual new york you know i'd rather go into a completely different lore a new diff a different world but Agreed that is still believable and relatable. And to do this, if you think of GTA, for instance, mm -hmm. you can completely author 100% of it. You know, in GTA, the brands, the, the characters, the movie stars, all these are completely authored by Rockstar Games. Or you can onboard the brands from the physical world, which are basically content creators into your world. And that's our approach, mm -hmm. which, you know, we think is, is more interesting. Mm -hmm. You made a recent announcement uh, becoming the first metaverse ecosystem to launch on on Bitcoin. Do you want to explain a little bit of you know token. like we said token? Yeah, correct, right? Yeah. Um, do you want to break that down a little bit just to explain what that means exactly? Yes, the our vision for has always been that um, there there needs to be ecosystems powered by a token to facilitate the network the development of a network effect the the fact is that this you have this network where you have participants who um, are creating value which really you know this value is kind of transported within the token as a vessel mm -hmm. which means that you know transactions are happening part of this transaction you know when the transaction is happening, fees are generated. The fees are captured, brought into a treasury. The part of the treasury is uh, fun, is is supplying uh, a, a grant program or a funding program, and then you can start having this natural flywheel of network effect, mm -hmm. where you have contributors, generators, you know, and and then together we can grow this ecosystem. We can fund new projects. We can benefit from these new projects because they now bring value to the network, et cetera, et cetera. So we wanted to create really this kind of like ecosystem, Bitcoin ecosystem token. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really available to us. And that's why we wanted to do this. And of course, the first project to adopt it is Life Beyond. Mm. Is there any like... um? component to your metaverse ecosystem as far as like land ownership or distribution uh for with, with the virtual environments that i guess are going to be spun up from life beyond ecosystem you know in, in in the sense that we've seen already traditionally from web3 
metaverse ecosystems. You know, Decentraland has a finite, uh, finite amount of, I guess, uh, ownership Land. parcels yeah. within their virtual environment. Yes. Sandbox has <coughs> that. You know, yeah, it's totally. We'll we'll have a we we have a, a supply of of uh, a finite um, you know supply of land. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, uh, I think, always an important part, you know, uh, to because it creates interesting dynamics. Um, so we we will totally do this. Yes. Well, that's a perfect like segue, I think, into why um, we found so or why 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 we were gravitated so strongly towards like the concept of bitmap, right? Because traditionally, in Web three, everything any virtual environment that's ever been attempted has been through some sort of arbitrary process right where a developer like yourself or like ourselves will mm-hmm. kind of come up with a number out of thin air with 100,000 200,000 whatever it is this is just the spatial parameters that we set to our virtual existence layer but bitmap was the first attempt at creating like a standard non-arbitrary process for generating virtual space right where it's dependent entirely on blockchain information right the blocks mm-hmm. the existence of them so it is what we label as something is like a, a much more organic digital matter creation mechanism, something like that, right? And there's a huge community. Obviously, you've you've been introduced to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they made them. They made their presence very well known. And um, yeah, you know, they, they, I guess uh, speaking, she's great. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of passion behind this idea. And I guess speaking on behalf of the whole community, like, what is your interpretation of this this theory that's been put out? It's only like three months old, and we're starting to see very small uh, like breakthroughs actually already happening like the, the thesis is coming true it is an open source protocol and developers are gravitating to it and they are attempting to build value on top of it right mm-hmm. so how do you see this proliferating and uh, what do you think life beyond will play along if at all yeah totally you know i i like to, to me everything that is existing uh, and that has been adopted has value and our approach is is never to build against this, but to uh, to um, to find ways to collaborate with this. So, for instance, we I did meet with Blockamoto and to to discuss a little bit about how he envisioned thing, and I wanted to understand his um, kind of where it came from. I don't have any uh, like kind of you know definite answer on how we want to integrate Bitmap mm-hmm. into uh, into our value proposal. But we will obviously want to find a way to. I don't think that we'll go to a point where everything, the whole, you know, land architecture of life beyond will revolve around bitmap, but we want bitmap to be integrated. So we're, you know, trying to, we're kind of playing right now with different ideas. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, it's a, it's a no-brainer that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's... And I I love it because it's uh, there are a lot of these conversations these days, you know it's the same as you know BRC twenty versus runes and where we understand that technology is a commodity. Mm-hmm. What matters is what people do with it. Um, you know it's a uh, it's it's a little bit like when I started uh, were you know uh, operating in Web three. We were so we're spending so much time on the technology itself. What blockchain are we going to use? This one or this one? What you know? Uh, how is the infrastructure? How does it scale? How did, how is it built? What's the language? But at the end of the day, it's it matters. But 
it also doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. What matters is who's using it, who's building on it, how many people, what is their culture. So it's exactly for me the same thing with, um, you know, with, with Bitmap right now. It's um, it's not whether or not this is a, a you know a valuable protocol from a technology standpoint. You no, know, it's what matters is what what is happening from a community standpoint, mm-hmm. and this is what is fascinating. And this is why, of course, we can't just disregard it. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to. That's not our that's not our mindset. We want to collaborate and build with, not against. Sure. So Ben, uh, I, I totally agree. There, there's definitely a challenge when you have like an, an existing piece of IP, trying to fit that IP into something like Bitmap, just because Bitmap is so new, like nothing's like, like this has ever happened before. Mm-hmm. But if I may, I want to offer a potential angle that you guys can think about. Yes, is- yes, please. That and, and that, by the way, you can call anyone, you know, it's a call for anyone who wants to Sure. You know, reach out and send us ideas. I I saw I said on a podcast last week that we will we would start a uh, DIY's Telegram group, mm. a Telegram channel, and I, I we've just been overwhelmed uh, since we got back from Singapore. But that's totally something that we're going to do hopefully next week. So that will be also an opportunity for you know anyone who has some cool ideas to 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 jump to to you know jump in and 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 bring them. So thank you. I'm I, I'm, sure. I'm going to write down some notes. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So so think about this. Um, like like I man was saying, Bitmap is 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 a virtual um, experience divided by what's been happening within a given block, right? And so what you could do is you mentioned earlier, you had a piece of technology that allowed you to procedurally generate a world. So what yes. if, what if you could connect that piece of technology to just a single bitmap, just one of the 800,000, right? You connect it. And as an owner of that bitmap, I leverage your technology and I procedurally generate a life beyond like world for my bitmap. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out right now to uh, Vincent, our chief product officer, because <laughs> He'll, he'll understand why it's uh whether it's part of life beyond or connected to life beyond sure this is definitely an idea that we have to um turn wise world as a because wise world is a production service you know it's a production tool it's a it's a tool more for game studios but vincent had also this idea of what if we make it available for anyone with a bitmap mm-hmm. to turn their bitmap into a yeah. world thanks to wise world. Yeah. So, I, I think that's a path. I think that's a path because what you could do is you could enable 800,000 bitmaps be a city within the life beyond yeah. universe. Yeah. We've already seen it happen. IMSO Chris right. is already, he's distributing procedurally generated virtual worlds based. And the thing it's, yeah. that's cool about it is the, the, it's the, root, it. the root information comes from the, the unique information per bitmap per mm-hmm. block, right? Everyone, block is unique yeah so that is can be the, that can be i guess the parameters of your algorithm whatever it is you guys have developed yeah to generate like these unique attributes of these virtual layers right and that that's that is cool right yeah. that that yeah and everything falls. yeah we thought about this we thought about also maybe having like a you know a whole continent or an island that is like the bitmap one you know where all bitmap holders can come and have a plot of land mm. Um, you know, that's also another option because what is interesting with this is that then you, um, you're also like located and around other 
bitmap holder so there's a there's like a common interest mm -hmm. so you know those are the things that we're exploring mm -hmm. but um, the yeah. idea that you're that you suggested is 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 super interesting and that's something that we've uh, also considered absolutely yeah the only thing you have to maintain um just to follow along with like the whole like, point of bitmap is that when you use this procedurally generated engine, it also divides that world into its transactions, into its parcels, right? So that the bitmap owner can distribute those parcels however he sees fit. And then that community could potentially build on top of that bitmap world using the Life Beyond engine, WiseWorld, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe through WiseWorld, you'd develop an SDK so that developers like us could build experiences that can be distributed across yeah. all life beyond bitmap virtual environments. Yeah, the content. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we like to call those and, the, the apps of the metaverse, which yeah. that, that's been our focus ever since our involvement in Decentraland, right? It's the, the most like necessary, or the most, I don't know, like for developers to really come in and bring in some like impact for, you know, outside of just the founding team, you're asking for a community of developers to come in and contribute. That SDK is critical, right? Because yeah. otherwise, there, we cannot develop apps for your virtual environment and add in more yes. utility, more functionality, right? Right. Yeah, totally. And it's uh, it's going to be an important track for us. Um, I think we'll, the the pitfall that we're just trying to avoid is a lot of these projects. You know, you're talking about the central and they they made it possible for people to build experiences. But I mean, I'm sorry. Those are not the experiences that I really want to play today because the mm -hmm. the, the the tool itself is very limited. Mm -hmm. um, for us, our approach is really we need to make it's a little bit like again you can take uh, Fortnite as a really good example where now you have UEFN, but it took years, you know, mm -hmm. to get there. Yeah, first they really consolidated a very, very enjoyable experience before opening it. It's a little bit the way we're uh, we're seeing things. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're in Web3, and so the timing, the pacing is very different, and hopefully it will go faster. Um, but we um, we have to make this, some decisions to yeah. in order to ensure that first, we all have a game that we're going to enjoy playing, mm. and then we're able to open so that we can benefit from the whole network effect, mm -hmm. which is, of course, inevitable. The, the, re, the success will go through this, mm -hmm. but we have to design a path to success, which mm -hmm. starts with a good game. Yeah, and we have to be clear, this suggestion is not trivial, right? This is going to take a lot of work yeah. from the engineers and design yes. team and economics and all that stuff mm -hmm. in order to make this work. So. It's it's a it's definitely a tall ask for a development team to kind of so, all of a sudden just incorporate this bitmap thing that's been three months old. Yeah, but but it does introduce something new that no one has had to deal with before, mm -hmm. and I think that newness. Yeah, and, it, and and even though you know executing might take some time, we can start talking about it now. We can start designing plans, you know, architecture strategies to do this. Yeah. And I don't want to wait for like 18 months and be like, hey, we're ready now. Let's start talking about it. I want to start. I want to talk about it now. Sure. I want to see, you know, I want to put, I want us to publish papers, you know, intentional. The, the whole point is 
and it's very it's very uncomfortable for web to from for web to developers because they're like no no hold on you talk only talk about things when you're 100 sure yeah mm-hmm. but uh for us it's very different it's like we are a part of an ecosystem and we want to and there is no point having a metaverse play in mind if all you care about is building things on your own mm-hmm. you know behind closed doors Right. Where is the metaverse then? Yeah, and this so, this this whole design thing is no different than designing the tokenomics uh, for a token on Bitcoin, right? You just have to contextualize your virtual environment in the context of a Bitcoin block and the transactions that divide that block. Mm-hmm. So it's it's Absolutely. no different in terms of like how you think about it, but it it is different in the sense that no one had to think about this until now, mm-hmm. right? So it's we're definitely uncharted territories here, Ben. But it's so much fun, you know. That's the whole point. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so let's. Uh, right now, we're at a stage where it's so easy to, you know, just chat, just connect on Telegram, on Twitter, uh, get on a call, and explore things. So we should, we should just, we should just do it. Sure. As much as we want, as much as we can. Yeah, and uh, we have about 10 more minutes, and I, I wanted to introduce something uh, kind of like a new concept for, for you to kind of think about as well. So we were thinking about why Bitmap was so valuable, right? And it was because it was, it was, an, it was this idea that didn't depend on any human intervention. And it was the environment developed by essentially what happens on Bitcoin's organic chain. And so it was like, well, why is this valuable, right? It's, and we've, we've come up with this, this, uh, this nomenclature that identifies why this, this, this is valuable. And so we've been doing this for hundreds of thousands of years. Humans have been recognizing patterns in the same way that Bitoshi has recognized a pattern of bitmap, meaning the districts and parcels that make up a, a Bitcoin block are really, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, sort of like a metaverse, right? Um, humans have been discovering patterns with atoms and giving them names and then leveraging those atoms to to do stuff with right this this matter and so the 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 fact that this digital matter that has been spawned through the concept of bitmap i think is is one of the reasons why bitmap is is so valuable right to this this community because it's Mm -hmm. something new Mm -hmm. and uh, when it comes to designing a tokenomic system there's a way where you can leverage the patterns on Bitcoin's blockchain to come up with your max supply of your token or an inflationary supply based on how many times that pattern occurs on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And and at, with every new block, that pattern may may exist or may not exist. But it's the point is it's a completely non-arbitrary uh, fungible token. And so um, so the whole idea is designing a token that is not out of thin air. It is based on the data on Bitcoin's blockchain. And so that is what we call digital matter theory. And uh, we've been talking about it for the last few months, trying to identify why bitmap was valuable. And I guess to kind of like push forward those same principles, uh, if if any developer decides to, I guess, contribute to the construction of this very open source uh, metaverse layer on top of Bitcoin, it kind of makes sense to follow the same principles that Bitoshi kind of set forward as much as I guess that's reasonable, right? Because obviously there's a lot of things to consider when you're building games more than just principles, right? There's actual costs at play here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very big industry. It's very cost intensive. So 
But nonetheless, these are new verticals, I guess, that have not been explored. Uh, as far as we've seen, like, like we talked about, everything, everything has pretty much been arbitrary up until this point. So we don't really know exactly how this contributes to like the sustainability of, of a game economy. It's like or, inter- inter- or design. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, like DAO mechanisms have been kind of like games have kind of depended on DAOs a lot in the Web3 space, Web3 games to kind of make these types of decisions, right? How do we alter the supply of certain you know, economic components within our ecosystem, right? Let's let that the DAO figure, let's vote about these things, right? And then mm-hmm. typically it introduces, you know, uh, unintended consequences poss- potentially. So why not introduce a, a parallel ecosystem where everything is non-arbitrarily rooted mm-hmm. its existence within this virtual space. So there really is no human intervention, whatever it is, that's what that's, it is. whatever the introduction of these new assets into this virtual space, the e- economy just kind of has to like self adjust to these new introductions that are again, not arbitrarily rooted. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. All, <coughs> all of this really, resonates a lot with me um where i'm always concerned is that how does it how how can we eventually explain this to you know a non-ggen population mm, yeah and uh and then i think this is where we always kind of hit the limit right now with bitmap mm. which is um it's an abstract concept concept um that you can really uh enjoy when you're part of that kind of scene right now and mm-hmm. you're understanding this is you know you you live for it but how do you make you how do you mainstreamize it you know sure and this is where i think we it's hard to base everything on bitmap because i i see a major obstacle here for this so that's why we have to you know make sure that we can create some really cool use cases for bitmap holders like the ones we've discussed for now, for example, uh, that's that's I think more of a uh, r- realistic. Yeah, uh, and and, and really, what we're talking about here is is goes outside of bitmap. So, so in this in this particular part of the conversation, forget about bitmap. It's when you're talking about a tokenomics design on top of Bitcoin. Just you you could, in theory, leverage the data that's on top of Bitcoin as the starting point for the max supply of a token or you could use the data on bitcoins to suggest an inflationary supply of a token and Mm -hmm. and it has absolutely nothing to do with with bitmap but it's it's the token of your economy that is based on the data on bitcoin's blockchain because because you guys mentioned that you're you're coming up with a uh, a bitcoin token and um, so, so the, the challenge here is you could, uh, remove sort of the arbitrary decision-making of the, of the max supply of the token and just and leverage the data on Bitcoin's blockchain. So, so that's sort of like, kind of like the angle that we, we think about when, when we're trying to build a world from Bitcoin and it's, it's the thing that we could, the new thing that we can leverage so that it removes a lot of the human decision-making processes with, with a lot of this stuff, because let's say your token supply was, you know, you know, a hundred million. And it's like, it's like so many digits, but it's, it's a non-arbitrary number. And you introduce that to your economy and say, it's, this is the supply of the token because you can find it on Bitcoin's blockchain, right? It's, it, it exists on Bitcoin's blockchain in, in this form of a pattern. And, um, and so I think that 
building that into a game is something that could be interesting. Does that make sense? I think it does. Um, the, I see two things. So the first one is, of course, the um, the interesting opportunity to do is that then you could connect your tokenomics to um, and, and the token value to the health or the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which would basically mean, you know, how many how many blocks have been minted and that's right uh, and so but but then while we're saying there's no arbitrum uh, arbitrary value actually there is one because eventually we know the max supply right right because it would be because eventually there is a max supply of bitcoin as well sure sure um so that's the second thing is and i'm just saying this at the top of my mind but a very like there an important thing for a token is the liquidity of it of this token, and the liquidity, you know, of course, it can be just measured as how what is the daily transaction volume, uh, you know, how many people are trading in and for how much every day, um, and this is driven by, of course, the demand for the token that can come from either the utility of the token today or the perceived value of the token in the future, and you when you start digging there you realize that um a lot of this dr- liquidity is driven by you know institutional investors mm-hmm. hedge funds yeah a little bit exactly like in the physical world on stock markets and while we can demonize these players i think we should not because they contribute to the sure. liquidity sure and because you have this liquidity you have a valuable asset in your hand, and when you need to sell it, you can find someone who's selling it, or when you want to buy it, you find someone to buy it from. And I think that the, you know, and so so we need to make sure that this is also um, compliant with this with this type of players because we we need them. Mm-hmm. So is such a model? With a form of uncertainty mm-hmm. in the sub token supply, could that be an obstacle for them? You know, to sure uh, because they're real investors. You know, they're just speculators, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, Honestly, I don't know, but that's one thing that I'm wondering. Sure, yeah. Um, because I'm part of. I I really believe that you know we we need to create tokens that are really uh, supported by very tangible uh, utility. But at the same time, we need to make sure that, of course, this is nothing, you know, that the design of this token or not are turn off for speculators because we need them. Sure. Yeah. I it's totally it's unpleasant to hear, you know, uh, it's a very unpopular even uh, uh, stance, but we need speculators because they bring liquidity and liquidity is the key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's the, if, if you can um, design a token that brings in speculators, that is the early market adopters of a given token. Mm. And uh, once, yeah, the problem is when you only have speculators. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and no utility to support. That's right. The, you know, uh, intrinsically, your the the token. You know whether it's a fungible or non fungible, then of course you know eventually it crashes and uh, and and. and and it was like a very similar pump and dump and stuff like that. But, right, right. But you need every you need you need both. You know, just having utility but no speculators. Then you unfortunately, 
we don't have enough users, especially today, to um, to bring enough liquidity. But the truth is, even when you own a stock of like a very, like let's say a Fortune 500 company, and you own a stock, like the liquidity could not provide it itself just by retail investors. That would not be enough. That's true in our economies. Yeah, and our economies would just not be able to run um, f- with that level of fluidity if we didn't have speculators. So anyway, I, I, I'm probably derailing the conversation, but no, that's good. That's good. This is why operating something in in Web three is so much more complex. It is because it's not just building a game anymore. You see, it's yeah. like yeah, you're build, building thing. a society, an economy. And it's fascinating, but it's um, it's we we like to say that building a game is like launching the, a space program. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's even more complex. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, Ben. Thank you so much for for uh, coming on and talking about life beyond. Is there any last takeaways that you want our community to know about? Any releases to get ready for? Anything? Well, we actually just uh, well, you know, if you guys want to check it out, uh, of course, come to uh, playlifebeyond.com. We actually just launched um, uh, our new, um, what we call the hub. Mm. So the hub is uh, like, you know, the spaceship uh, crashed on the planet. And so right now you guys can uh, download the client on PC and Mac, enter the game, um, just stay in the hub, connect, interact with a few uh, a few devices in, the, in, in this big lobby within the spaceship and also... Uh, play with a couple of prototypes, one around navigation, the other one around uh, combat. It's just for all of the curious people out there who want to have a look at what it's going to look like visually in terms of, uh, you know, animation and stuff. It's obviously not the core game experience, you know, delivered, but gives a, a lot of feeling. So uh, come come, come, check it out. And uh, of course, join our Discord Come on Twitter. Come talk to us. My DMs are open, so just message me. I get a lot of them, so I'll, I do my best to uh, uh, to keep up. But um, really, right now, we are absolutely not interested to build in our in our in a vacuum without connecting. So please reach out. Excellent. Yeah, we're gonna download it. We're gonna check it out ourselves and see uh, see what the hub is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Ben, appreciate you for joining us. This has been a pleasure talking to you about Life Beyond and Darewise. Thank and you. Everything that's going on, man. Yeah, and we definitely wish you good luck on your endeavors because, I mean, a lot is riding on. Yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, not to put added pressure, but everybody building in this space is contributing to potentially because we all feel it internally. Like there's some sort of like gut instinct. That's the reason why we're all here that's right. contributing to this space. I, but we feel like whatever but, it is, we end up succeeding far as providing different pillars doesn't matter what it is whether it's game fi defi yeah whatever the primitive really uh, i i think mark my word you know if you are in the space right now yeah whether it's your project that is succeeding or not <laughs> you're you're building something for the you're you're creating a lot of value for yourself for the mm-hmm. future um if you think what is, what is happening on ethereum is big yeah. Wait and wait to see what's gonna happen here. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not talking at all about life beyond. I'm talking about the, the Bitcoin yeah. ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. we I, feel exactly the same way. I think we might have said those exact same words at some yeah. point, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere on some other podcast. But yeah, we feel the same way. And uh, yeah, the community is obviously there. We see the passion every day. 
And really, that's what it's all about. We've been around long enough to kind of like be able to like, we have like a heat sense for yeah. like whatever things happen. We saw the same thing happen early NFT days. Yep. There was just like this weird fringe passion, like in the Web3 space and it flourished into like this, this whole thing. Yeah. And it got everyone's attention. And I think you're right. I think this whole Bitcoin space is going to be that all over again or bigger, Absolutely. like you're saying. I think it will be way bigger. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Ben. Um, yeah. So all the links will be in the description. I appreciate you guys for watching. Ben, again, thank you so much. And uh, like like Ayman was saying, good luck with Life Beyond. And let us know. We we have, um, I guess, a lot of information as far as bitmaps go. We can help contribute there. So ask us yeah, some totally. questions. We, we totally need to uh, to follow up on this. Yes. And to spend more time brainstorming and sharing ideas. And again, we, um, we want to build with it together absolutely not against it so we um we're, we're we need to explore and then we need a lot of brains right now to figure out the best solutions yeah 100 percent. all right thank you so much ben and uh we'll follow up on twitter appreciate you bye thank bye. you bye 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 guys thank you for listening to the block runner podcast make sure you visit our website theblockrunner.com and sign up to stay up to date on the latest in crypto also, reach out to us on Twitter at The Block Runner.